we ready? Lauren Abrams is here. Yeah. Hey, Finch. Hi. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey, how are you? Hi. What is going on? Hey, and I'm never in a suit, but I did come here straight from my day job, so I, I look the part. You look you amazing. definitely look like an attorney. Yes. Yeah, I never do, especially <laughs> for the last two years. <laughs> Interesting. So we're, we're so honored to have you here tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the fence. And hopefully by the end of the show, we not only get your ass off the fence, but you help our listening audience scale, climb, or clear whatever fence they're sitting on. Yeah, sounds good. So 52 weeks of hope. That sounds like a lot of time for a lot of people. Let's talk about how 52 weeks of hope came about. Okay. I actually love talking about it because I went through my darker night of the soul. Nobody gets away from this life without going through it. And I went through mine and I got through this particular one. And I was like, what the hell was that when I went through it? And um, once I got through that one, I thought, okay, I kind of, I'm somebody that's always grateful. I'm always like, oh my God, I can't believe my life. And I, like I said, I'm always grateful for my life. But when I got through this particular one, I thought, all right, so why are we here? It was kind of like one of those, like, okay, so you work, you get through things, and then what, we die? And um, so when I got through it, because the only way through is through. That's There's no way around when we go through things. You have to go through them. And um, I thought, I'm going to ask. They say nobody on your deathbed ever wished they worked harder or made more money or anything like that. So I thought, I'm going to ask a person a week just that question. Like, why are we here? What have you gleaned from living life? And I'll just go and ask one person a week for a year. Like, I'm not a DIYer. I'll just, that's my project kind of a thing. I was a single mom raising my kids and I, I give back a lot. I'm of service in all these different areas of my life. And I was running my law practice, still am. But anyway, and so I started going out, one asking one person a week, like, what have you learned from living life? An older demographic. And people would just start divulging the most personal information to me. I'm no shrink or anything, but they would tell me really personal stuff. And and after about two and a half months of going and interviewing people, there started being common themes that they were telling me. And I would go home every week and I would like maybe email my best friend what I had heard and in my own language, my own verbiage, which was kind of funny. I wasn't making fun of anyone, but just for me and uh, just kind of keeping track. And I thought, I'm going to write one of those books, one of those books where you open it up and you're like, that's just what I needed. That's just <laughs> thanks, Scott. You know, or you close it and you open it again. And you're like, no, that's what I needed to hear and call it 52 weeks of hope. And then COVID hit and I did a pivot because that's what we do in life. We pivot. And I started podcasting, which I absolutely love. And I started talking to all these different religious leaders. I don't have any real religious training or background. We were twice a year Jews growing up, so I didn't really know much of anything. But I got to interview like two rabbis, an imam, a priest, just all these different religions. But it wasn't just that. Then I started interviewing healers and and just change agents, just amazing, amazing people. And after my first 52 weeks of interviewing all these different people, I did a compilation. I called it the meaning of life. I took all, because I asked everybody towards the end of the interview, I always ask them, what's the hardest thing you've gone through? How'd you do it? And what's your message of hope? And I took all the first 52 messages of hope, and I did a compilation of 
the 10 overarching messages. And I actually called it the meaning of life. And I know it sounds like, you know, that's ballsy or whatever, but I actually felt like I got the message. <laughs> and um, it's just like this not even 20 minute episode that I did. And I just listed the 10 overarching messages, but I've kept going with the podcast because I absolutely love it. It fills me up. It makes me happy. And yeah, I feel like I'm being of service and giving back. That's awesome. And, that and I think- A neat I, idea. That yeah, was genuine. Very much. Genuinely. Yep. Mm -hmm. And when, when you think about podcasting, you know, I, I, I talked about this earlier this week about starting this podcast. Like I just started this podcast because I wanted to have dope conversations with people that I thought was trailblazers in certain, you know, nobody in particular and people who are serial entrepreneurs. And I wanted us to come together and provide secrets and, and or recipes to help people scale, climb or clear whatever fence they're sitting on surrounding the subject. And when you do that, you find your, you find a deeper purpose, I believe, in something else that you want to do. And it sounds like that's what you've done with 52 Weeks of Hope. You've helped, you found hope because I read your story. You have a rags to riches story. You found hope along your journey and helping other people discover the hope because we know it, even before COVID, you know, you got to think about all the things that happen in life and how we feel about it and how most people deal with those things. Not everybody has the antidote or the recipe to deal with those things. And so um, I think that's uh, that's commendable that you started something and you kept it going. Now, how many weeks are we at now with you? Um, I'm probably close to 70 now. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I haven't missed a week. And I love how you say that, like, everybody does have the recipe because I think, you know, that whole imposter syndrome, like, who am mm. I to start a podcast? Who, what do I know? I'm or this and that, but everybody has a unique voice. Everyone has a message. Right. We all have our own handprint. Nobody can say it the same way. Right. And everybody doesn't receive what right. someone else, like what well, everyone right. says it differently and everyone receives from different people. And we're all on a, our own journey at our own pace and at a different place on, I mean, I've, I learned about breath work. I think half the times the people I talk to, it's for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I, learned, I learned like how to breathe and about EFT <laughs> tapping. And I learned right. all these modalities. And one of the messages I learned was right. no matter what you're called to and when you're called to it, it all works, all of it. Yeah. I don't care if it's yoga or this ta or tapping or whatever it is. I talk to people in Thailand that, or you know, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it works. Ah, that's yeah. good. Nice. I'm gonna open the floor up to the panel if they, okay. uh, to ask some questions. Yeah. Uh, I like to know how you choose your people when you're gonna ask these questions about what their hope is, like what their meaning of hope is. How do you select the people? Are you just walking up to random people on the street? Do you select people specifically for your podcast? Like how, what's your selection process? Well, I live in LA, so I'm not walking up to anybody on the street. We're <laughs> down. We've, been, we've been on shutdown mode for like, it feels like forever. Mm -hmm. um, and so, no. And when people have told me, oh, you need to talk to this one. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. It has to be, I get this feeling in my gut, like this is a really good person to interview. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a feeling I get. Uh -huh. And uh you know, I maybe did some research or this and that. And it's not the famous people, by the way. 
Right. Those are not my best exactly. interviews. It's the regular people because everybody's gone through things. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what people have gone through. And we're resilient. We are a resilient species um, of what we've been through and what we keep going through. Um, so I just, I don't know. I think when you're ready to do whatever it is you're called to do, like it, everything shows up. So people show up and I'm like, oh my God, I have to interview them. And <laughs> if it's a really good interview, when I send my thank you, I say, who would you recommend and who would you want to hear yourself? Uh, you know, that's definitely. So that's, yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. I was um, reading earlier today about a, um, how we measure ourselves. Like how do we know the quote unquote recipe for success? And Formerly, people uh, measured their success by their job and their title. And then as the um, onset of COVID in these last two years, that whole scale has widened so much more to mental health, to time as a commodity, to um, family. Everything is, is a little bit different, even in the measurement of success. So the recipes are becoming different. And so have you seen as a theme an impact, Lauren? that would make a recipe? Like what are the impacts that make recipes? Okay, so I was always taught the only thing that I can measure for success, this is for me, is I can only measure me against where I was. Mm. I can't measure me against somebody else mm. because it, it, I just can't. You have no idea what's going on with anyone else ever. It right. may look good from the outside, but we have no idea what's going on with anyone, no matter how it looks. Mm -hmm. And I, I've seen enough examples of that to know. So I measure my, where I am from where I come from, and that is the best measurement for me. Mm -hmm. um, I cannot, I, I just, I was taught I can't measure my insides to your outsides. I was also taught that if we all put our own problems in the middle, we all take our own problems back. And I know when I had absolutely nothing, <laughs> yeah, I know when I had nothing, I was thinking, no, I want hers. <laughs> I wanted everyone else's and everything. And I, but like, and, but yeah, anyway, so that's what I was taught as far as I like that. success. Yeah. I do too. So, I love that. I, I, um, I, I got to see that, that circle thing, though. That's too neat. <laughs> and, and I have a question. Um, you touched on slightly imposter uh, syndrome. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, I can elaborate on a lot because I actually have a quiz on my website. Are you an imposter? And no offense, Finch, or um, to JB or, um, or Nate, but I really think women have this a lot more. Um, guys think, yeah, I'm the shit. Oh, can I swear on this? I'm sorry. Absolutely. Um, anyway. Absolutely. You, you, haven't seen me, you haven't seen me on the show before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, watch, I watch snippets, but yeah, I, I've worked, yeah, I've worked like on my law stuff for five days straight. Everybody else like long weekend. I'm like, yeah. And I'm a discrimination lawyer. This is like, I was going to do so many different things and I had to prep. But anyway, um, for MLK weekend, but anyway, um, but imposter syndrome, I have a quiz, but you know, when you have it, where it's when you think, um, uh, I just got this job that you applied for. So you clearly thought you could do it and you get the job and you think, Oh my God, I can't do this job. You can, you got it. The universe gave you that job for a reason. Go guys are like, yeah, I got the job. It's more, I was taught that guys have more sports or something like that. But, and it's when you think, and if you have imposter syndrome, by the way, you're in really good company. Maya Angelou, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, Michelle Obama, 
um, I'm trying to think of some of the others. They, they all speak very openly about it, about, oh, my God, now I'm going to get found out. I can remember walking in the courthouse thinking, oh, my God, all these people think I'm a lawyer. I am a lawyer. <laughs> I school, but it's like I'm, I'm a fake. I even felt like that as a mom. Like, look at these kids calling me mom. And, you know, it's just and, and you have to feel the feelings. You can't just try to skirt away from it because it's fear. It's all fear-based. It's a hundred percent fear-based. You have mm -hmm. to feel the feelings. And by the way, feelings peak for five minutes. I loved when I found that out. No matter what the worst thing you've ever been through, they peak for five minutes. So I like to hurry up and get through them knowing that. And um, at least the uncomfortable ones. And, um, and then feel them, feel them through my body so they don't get stored somewhere, some kind of trauma. I've learned a lot on my podcast, okay? <laughs> and, um, and, and then move through it. And then I have new neuropathways that have developed, and I get to move through it. And I probably won't have imposter syndrome for that particular thing again. And because it's not real. It's all fake, all right. of it. Like, you've got this. You've got this. If you're in that situation, you're meant to be there for a reason. So just keep going. So are right. you saying that like imposter it. syndrome is more of not having the confidence to actually feel comfortable in what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of which one it was. Um, some uh, It's Meryl Streep. Uh, she said, oh, I'm going to get found. No matter what role she ever got, she'd think, <laughs> oh, now they're going to find out I can't act. <laughs> and... Um, but, you know, it's it's no matter what pinnacle you reach, like now I'm going to get found out. They're going to find out I really can't do X, Y or Z. And it's usually very high achieving women. And, yeah. and there's a quiz on my website for that. But yeah, like we know, you know, when you're like, uh oh, I'm going to get found out. That's what it is. So, Lauren, real, real quick before Nate asks his question, yeah. tell everybody the website that they can go take that that, that quiz. Oh, okay. oh, okay. Yeah, it's at 52weeksofhope.com. And if you're in the car, I got this thing where you can now just text 52HOPE to 66866. Oh, wow. So, if you're driving oh, or something. Neat. Yeah. Neat. So I thought that was easy, but it's just 52weeksofhope.com. Mm -hmm. right. I, I, I like that. All right. All right. Here's what I want to ask. Typically, people gravitate and connect with people who they identify with. And you say that you had a uh, dark, uh, dark moat. What, what it dark night of the soul. Dark night of the soul. Now, um, for a person who apparently has uh, achieved it all, you know, profession, family, accolades, all that stuff. What is your story in terms of your dark night of the soul that you tell the people that basically is your testimony that they relate to? Ooh, that's a good question. So when I was younger, I was used to be, this isn't the dark night of the soul that, soul that started 52 Weeks of Hope. This is the rags to riches that Finch had alluded to earlier, that um, I'm somebody that used to be completely strung out on drugs on the street, like in bad, bad shape. Okay. Everyone had washed their hands of me. You know, when, when all the social media came out, Facebook was really the first one. People used to, from high school used to find me. I'm from the DC area originally. I'm in LA now. And they were like, you're alive. Like, I mean, I'm not like, wow. forget that I'm a lawyer. You know, I was 83 pounds, just a shell of a person. 
having alcoholic seizures. Like I was in bad, bad shape. So the fact that I'm alive, we can start with, which is why I was always so grateful for my life. And I ended up in rehab when I was young. So it's been decades now. And, um, and after I got out of there and I started, I didn't know about it. I had no idea. I just wanted to die. I didn't know there was a way out. And I found a way out. I got hope. And uh, from that point forward, I slowly put a life together. And after about three years of that, of learning how to work and getting in a little tiny apartment and things like that, I started going to college. And then I ended up at UCLA and then law school and got a master's. And and, and I'm very self-made, every single bit of it. That's why I say, um, and then getting married and having kids and getting divorced. And he gave me full custody. And here I am, but always grateful, always grateful, always grateful. And always giving back because I figured I didn't know there was a way out. And, and to this right. day, I'm giving back. Okay. So here I am always grateful. And then I reached this point in my law practice where everything looks good on the outside. Right. But, um, I didn't have money coming in and it got dark and Whoa. I didn't like to tell anybody because I didn't have money coming in and I didn't know how it got to where I didn't know how I was going to pay my, uh, feed my kids. I had, to, I had to take care of my employees and people don't talk about this. Mm-hmm. I actually talk about it on LinkedIn now. <laughs> and um, and I had I had a vendor sue me and you know here I am it's this is about entrepreneurs and you know there's there's points where you maybe you don't have money coming in I have a thriving practice but there's no cash and I didn't know what I was going to do and it was dark and but still for somebody like me that comes from where I come from it sounded like a quality problem and yes I got through it but it was really really dark and I felt very alone and it's such a quality problem that I didn't want to talk about it. And um, I was in somebody named, it's Angela Manuel Davis. She's like, I'm her groupie. And I was in her, <laughs> I was in her spin class and she is the most motivating person ever. And she now has her own studio and Oprah took her on the road and you can, you can uh, Google her. She's amazing. And I had all these classes like left in the Keck, Q-U-E, Q-U-E, however you pronounce that word. And uh, I was in the back of her class Um just crying and it's pitch black and she's doing her Angela thing where she's like, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I know someone needs to hear this. And, and she did her Angela thing and I don't even know what she said, but something in me shifted and I knew I'd be okay. I knew my kids would get fed and look, money didn't rain on me, but I got through it. And, um, and cause we do, we get through everything. And I thought, I don't, and that's where I went. Like, I don't know what the hell that was. And I've been broke before, but not where I didn't know how I was going to feed my kids. And uh, like I said, a vendor sued me and I've never, used, and they actually were like, why aren't you using us for depositions and stuff like that? I was like, are you kidding? I didn't know what would happen. Like I try to be so straight after everything I've gone through. And I am like, I was like, am I going to get reported to the bar? I got sued. Like, I don't even know what happens. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't talk about it a lot when I'm interviewed on podcasts. Cause the first time I talked about it, I got looked at kind of weird and you know, I'm like, Oh, well, that's what happened. <laughs> um, maybe it was cause it was a 30 year old and she didn't relate. So I don't know <laughs> Nate, if like, you can relate, but like, you know, it, for me was, it was, it was dark. So I don't know if that's relatable or not, but like, you know, I got through it and I've always been scared. I wouldn't, I've had, look, I've had plenty of times I've lived in my car. I've been without money lots of times. I know I don't look like that, but, um, but I wasn't a mom then. It wasn't just me. You know, it was just me back then. So anyway, I love it. A term called quality problem. What do you mean by that? 
Um, because I've been on the street, I've been strung out. I, I work with a lot of people that have nothing. I don't mean my work as far as my clients. I give back a lot. I help in a lot of different areas and I know people that have nothing. So mm. me, you know, like temporarily in my Beverly Hills office, I can't take care of a few things. You know, I, that's a quality problem. Okay. okay. I love it. So well, I, I was... I was a little thrown by the word quality, so thanks for clarifying. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hyper aware of people that don't have. I've been there very much. It, it sounds like I was, I was talking to one of my sisters one day and she was like so distraught because she, she couldn't find her facial cream on the internet that was like $92 an ounce. I was like, girl, please. <laughs> <laughs> like this is, this is not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> but w when I listen to you, Lauren, your story parallels. Also, please watch Jingle Jangle. I've been telling everybody because that's such a <laughs> okay. story. And, it, okay, and, okay, and, okay. And, and the hopefulness I hear, I hear that in which what, what you're give what you're giving. So you said I'm not religious, but I hear spirituality. And oh everything. yeah. So oh my tell God, me, yeah. tell, give us a little bit of that part of you. Because I oh hear God. it so overarching. I meditate every single day. God is everything. It could it be energy, whatever you want to call it. Like, yes, yes, yes. Um, I set my attention for the day. I, I asked to just be of service before I came on here. Even if it's just a minute of breathing in, breathe in God and breathe out any anxiety or any of that lost stuff I just came from that was not fun. Um, I was trying to help my, I was trying to help my client, but. I actually called her to just one human to another being like, God, I'm just trying to help you here. But anyway, um, you know, yeah, it's all, it's all God. I mean, for me and, and, and for anybody who's turned off from the word, I just, you know, oh, I, love, like, I love it. like it's uh -huh. energy. My kids used to be like, mommy's talking to God again. And my son would be like, what's God? And she'd say, you can't see God. You can only feel God like love or the wind. And I think oh, I'm doing something right. She would deny that today because she's not little. <laughs> but I thought, oh my gosh, isn't that just so great? Like love or the wind? It is. That's poetic. Yeah. That's what's a Lauren day? Uh, okay. So I, if it was perfect, it would be my podcast. <laughs> it would be my podcast. I would read. I would journal. I'd meditate. Now it's um, all of that. Plus, I seem to be doing a lot with my law practice, <laughs> which um, I, I was, you know, I, I was trying not to do a ton of that, but I do. I start with meditation. Okay, that's what I start with. Okay, definitely. What do um, you end with? Oh, with gratitude. Oh. I, I, I have been I've been exchanging gratitude lists with my friends for almost 10 years. More people get added slowly, but wow. I have people that go, I don't feel grateful. I said, yeah, that's the point. By the time you get to the end, you're like, oh, my God, I have so much to be grateful for. Right. Or if you're in a relationship, send send your partner a gratitude list when you're mad. Because by the time you get to the end, you go, oh, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just a full 180. <laughs> we have a jar at our house. We have a gratitude jar that oh, you yeah. put it in every day. And at the end of the year, we all sit down and read what was put in the jar. Oh, my oh, gosh. Nice. I love that. Ooh, I like that. That's good. And we have a thing, and I haven't done it for a while, where you just put your resentments in a jar. 
and just that, okay, now they're in there. Now they're in there. We're oh, I like it. it. I like it. Uh, don't even deal with it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burn the jar. <laughs> yeah. We can't burn anything here because it's LA. And we got <laughs> California, yeah. yeah. Right. You're correct. <laughs> we both live in Los Angeles, so we, we know how that goes. Yeah. But it's been raining here I know. a lot lately. I don't know what that's about. So I, I guess they're trying to recoup some of the water that they've lost over the, over the years. But um, so, so Lauren, when you think about hope and gratitude and how you have moved about your life, what an amazing story for one. Like it we is. couldn't look at you today and tell you used to be strung out on drugs. <laughs> and by the way, here on Off the Fence, you can talk about anything. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Any vernacular. Yeah. <laughs> Use all those words. <laughs> so, so when you think about your life moving forward, what is it that you hope? Uh, what, what is it that you desire to gain from your life? When it's when the curtain has closed and it's all said and done, what would you like people to say about you? That she gave back. Lauren gave back. She was all about love and service. Love and service. Okay. Yep. All right. And so for, for, for people listening um, to to his podcast, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I, I got to announce, I'm going to do this all day today. We was just named this past Friday to Apple Podcast Top 200 Podcasts. Wow. So yes. excited about that. That's amazing. Yes. So, so, so for all the people that will listen to this podcast or watch it on the replay, Lauren, what are three recipes you would give them or three secrets you might give them for discovering the hope that I think everybody has in life that sometimes we don't know where to get that hope from? What are three secrets or recipes you would give to people right now about hope? I agree. Okay. So one thing is, and what I always say is that everything always works out. I know it doesn't feel like it, but it just does. Mm -hmm. uh, might not be on your timetable or the way you think it will, but I have talked to enough people that have been through enough horrific things that one way or another, it just does. And you don't have to believe that 100%. You only have to believe it 51%. Ah, just a ooh. little bit more than not. And oh, you can borrow somebody else's hope. Yeah, you can borrow borrow my hope, borrow Finch's hope. <laughs> I've listened. I, I did listen to you, Finch. I listened to some of your um, solo episodes, so I, I knew like that. This I wasn't gonna when I thought, uh oh, hot seat. <laughs> what are you gonna do? And um, but they were your solo episodes, and I thought, oh my god, I love listening to you. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, it's just so uplifting, which is a good segue into community. We all need community. We are not meant to be isolators. I love that an isolator solution to isolation is to isolate some more and just be alone, which is like, no, um, <laughs> we are meant to be in community. Whatever you're interested in, I promise you, if you Google it, there's somebody out there who's interested in it. I promise. You yeah. don't have to invent the wheel. There's somebody else doing it. And uh, during this time of, there was isolation. There was a real problem with isolation before COVID and then COVID hit and there's even more and the right. loneliness and isolation that's out there. We are in the blue zones where people live the longest and are the healthiest. It's because of community and because they're close to their, they want to be with each other. It's not yep. like a force thing. Yep. <laughs> it, they're around people they want to be around. So there's that. And the other is we're here and we're meant to love each other. 
So what we focus on grows. If we want to look for what's wrong, there is plenty to look for. There just is. But if you want to be healthy and, and happy, which is much better, um, <laughs> look for the good. Just there is always something good to look for. Look at babies and flowers and the sun, like something is there for that's happy. Go, I have an, I, I wrote a thing, seven ways to feel better right now. Just really easy. Dance. And if you're self-conscious, dance when you're all by yourself. Spelt out a song. People beg me to lip sync. I'll, I, I mean, it's still, if you sing out loud a song, you're going to be happier. Put your feet in the dirt. There's something grounding about dirt and putting bare feet in the dirt. It, it it makes you feel better. I'm not going to try to explain that one, but there's it's grounding. Okay, taking deep breaths in and out slowly, not too fast, so you don't hyperventilate. Because mm. um, that's me. Like we like to talk fast and do things fast, so do, don't do that fast because you'll hyperventilate. Um, that's how it was explained to me. Um, but that that there's so many ways to just get. So what we focus on grows. So keep the focus on that which lights you up. So those are my three. Those are good. Yeah. yeah. So I have another question. Um, so we have so many people that deal with depression and you mentioned isolation. Um, so what if people are listening to this and they hear all of the suggestions um, so many that, people given. that deal with depression and you mentioned isolation. Um, so what if people are listening I'm echoing again, right? Yeah. Sounds nice. Make it twice. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> really what I was saying was rocking. Yeah. Um, so you have people that are, as I said, dealing with depression. Um, what would you suggest to them to do to look for that um, 51% of hope? Like yeah. what exactly can they do um, that could help them be a little bit more hopeful than what they typically would be, even if some question. of the other suggestions you've given don't work? Um, to call somebody and I don't deal with any form of actual depression, like where I'm medicated or anything like that, but more feeling down kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But calling somebody will have an incredible effect. Calling up one person and saying, how are you? Will make you feel better. And it just will. For one thing, you don't know that that person isn't having a tough time too. Right. And calling them and saying, how are you? You'll be thinking about them when you're listening to how they're doing, mm -hmm. especially somebody else who's living alone and maybe can't get out and saying, how are you? Maybe they really need that phone call. But then you'll end up talking about yourself. And now you're having a whole conversation going. Uh, mm -hmm. And you don't have to feel like making the phone call. Do it anyway. Don't wait till you feel like doing this. It's, it's like all the volunteer work I do. I never once want to do it. Never. There isn't one thing I want to do. I mentored a girl in high school and I only started doing this because my kids didn't want to hear anything I had to say. And I, they, I saw something on a listserv that said these kids downtown needed a mentor. They're high performing kids that had never met anyone who had been to college. And I thought, oh, I, I'll go do that because my kids didn't want to hear anything. And I mentored, <laughs> her. I mentored her and I never want to. I love her. She's great. But I never wanted to drive downtown and like, don't you know how busy I am? Like all this in my head, my head, my head. I don't listen to my head. I go in anyway, because I know I'm going to feel better. And, um, and I helped her with her college applications. And because she let me, my kids were like, go away. And, um, <laughs> you know, but, 
but I never want to go, but I always feel great afterwards. So you don't have to want to do these things. You just do them anyway. So make a phone call. One, Like anybody can make a phone call. Texting is not going to make you feel better. It just mm, isn't. Yeah. It's but human contact. We need human it contact. Is. Do you it know is. what, though, number one thing when I was actually interviewing face-to-face with that older demographic, the number one thing I was told is how you younger people need to put down your phones. I was glad just to be called a younger person. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, like we have to put down our phones. We need human contact contact. So actually pick up the phone is the best and easiest way for somebody who's lonely to actually feel better and call a few people. If one didn't work, just That's sit right. on the phone. Talk. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. Great. Yes, well, well, listen, Laura, we've had a great time with you and yes, man, you are man. so phenomenal. Um, yes. I like if people you. want to connect really with like you online. How, how will they do so? Oh, it's very easy. 52 weeks of hope.com. Uh, is the easiest way. Everything is on there. I've even got um, a few articles, uh, a few of those chapters that from the book when I was initially writing it. Um, I've got a basketball coach whose head was always saying, "You're no matter what pinnacle of success he would reach, his head would say, Rudy, you're not all that. It just didn't matter. <laughs> and, um, and, and then it's got solutions on there too. And, mm-hmm. and I've got all my episodes, including that compilation one and just every, well, I'm on, a, it's on Apple podcast too, but um, yeah, 52 weeks of hope.com. Very easy. Very neat. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And until next time, get your ass off the fence.